0: Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa, with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings and welcome to this episode of uh, Mansa's The Weekly Beat of Arnold Segawa. As always, I'm um, not alone. I'm joined by uh, Maggie Mutasi and uh, Dr. Jan Schenitsky. Today, we're going to uh, delve into uh, issues around trade, more so the uh, africa continental free trade area. You do remember when it was uh, notoriously signed, countries ratified past the 21 country mark. And now... Well, just like any other, well, so many other uh, agreements on the continent, it's collecting dust. Uh, to delve into this, uh, let's start with the trade expert, uh, Mr. Dr. Jan Szenitsky, uh, who is also with the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung. What are your two cents on this uh, particular matter?
1: Um, the African continental free trade area, right? Yes. So I think it was applauded a lot in Europe, and I also applaud the idea that uh, there would be a continental zone of free exchange of free trade from the european side um wonderful thing that you could for example invest in one country and um uh, integrate the production and processes would be also good for, for the growth of the african continent um, and free trade also in general is a good thing i think we will talk about that later so um thumbs up because that's a downside and that is the the implementation of that i have my doubts if um all political actors um on the table are really interested in Getting things to the ground and having, having a real free trade <laughs> zone uh, on the continent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I think we should also discuss now about the reasons for that. So why do you set up such a complex thing? Why discuss it? Why do you invest all the energy to discuss it when many people that are the, t- the same people opposite around the on the table there seem to block it? That's my question about it. Uh,
0: Mangi, you were in Rwanda when uh, this particular argument was being signed. Um, fast forward to now, you know. Was it just a political statement that uh, was will we put the carriage before the horse? What do you make of it?
2: Um, I think, first of all, it's a great milestone to see that the African continent can even reach to a level like this. We've seen lots of agreements, uh, the Yamasukro, which, you know, never even go to a point where the FCT has got. I mean, the questions are, are we really opening up free trade or are we documenting opening up free trade and it's uh, I think a conversation we need to delve deep into but I don't want to take away the fact that it's a a brilliant step towards economic integration across Africa and to ask Dr. Yan why it was signed I mean as a continent we need a competitive advantage we need a share of the global market but ultimately we cannot have it in our individual countries so with the FCFTA, we have an opportunity to negotiate as a continent. I know you're going to come back with reasons as to why, what is it that was signed, but I think it's a step towards it. And I don't know what you think, but I'm sure even the EU, if we look back, there were constraints, challenges, towards even achieving that common As you
1: mentioned, the EU, of course, it's right that it took 60, uh, even 70 years now Mm. to get there where the EU is now. And it still has its issues and problems. But there's a big difference between um, the African continent and the the European continent because the project of the European kind of unification is not just an economic one. It was um, after the Second World War, it was it was a project to to provide peace. The first uh, steps of economic integration happened in the sectors of coal and steel, the sectors vital for weapons industries, where the former enemies in the world wars, like France and Germany, uh, put together these sectors also to control what happened in the other countries. Um, out of that, the industries that existed in, in Europe, uh, even before the wars, you had, um, world leading industries in Europe, and um, had a reason to find trade markets in other uh, countries in the, in Europe and also to integrate the economies and to produce something, for example, in France and mm. in Germany at the same time through th- supply chains. And many of these things seem to be missing. If you look at, um, countries like, um, Togo, Chad, um, other countries where, where you find few industries. And mm. um, the question would be, why would you actually do that? So what is, what is the thing behind it besides the statement? So where's the economic uh, logic at this moment? I doubt there is a lot, but of course, going a step further to say what will happen in 10, 15 years, it's of course always better to have these things.
2: I'm just going to come in a little bit, especially when you talk about steps that were taken you know, for EU's integration and it was sectorial in, in this particular sense for the EU, um, what we've seen in Africa, for me, Not that I'm defending the AFSFTA, but I'm trying to answer the why did they do it? And I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a small trader. There is need to explore this huge market of Africa that everybody wants to come and invest in. And I think the opportunity is how do Africans themselves benefit from that if we can't even freely travel? Now, known to be the devil's advocate, there's been a lot of progress made towards regional integration. The EAC itself is one of the most successful blocks in Africa. And we've seen like the one area network that Mm -hmm. has massively worked. Of course, we've taken a step back, but I think it was a great step. Right now I travel with my ID within the EU. Right now I'm living in Senegal for a couple of months without having a visa because there's been steps taken towards free movement of persons. Like I said, small steps. Yeah. And you mean
0: with your ID across uh, certain parts of Africa? Certain parts of right, Africa. Right.
2: And I go to Dakar a lot and recently when I got there, somebody said to me, where's your visa? I don't pay visa in Dakar. I don't even get a visa stamp. I just get a stamp because it's one of those countries that opened up in the recent years, the past two years, oh. where we saw a lot of countries open up towards, you know, free movement of persons. Okay. Where I'm coming from would be that economic integration might take some time, but maybe there are few things that could be achieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as we move towards harmonizing like, you know, customs, harmonizing like currencies and and other complex things and, you know, maybe looking at sectors or what. And it brings me to agree with you at certain points that maybe shall we start with a few steps towards where we say Mm -hmm. for the first few years, Let's open up uh, so that people can freely move yeah. before we think about trade.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the issues has always been, uh, yeah. obviously, there's levels to integration. Uh, yeah. Customs union and a common market. Then uh, you t- start talking uh, maybe uh, uh, single currencies and all that. And one of the criticism has been, let's first start with uh, regional economic blocks. Mm. Uh, see how those go. You know, SADC and ESC and COMESA, and, and see how those are working and echo us. And, mm. and then later on, have this other conversation about the whole African continent, you know, there's the other day Cyril Ramaphosa, South Africa's president, was talking about a single currency called the Afro.
2: Did it, he actually it, say that? Yes,
0: and the EAC is already struggling. Uh Dr. Szenitsky, you can uh, jump in any time that you, that you feel like. For me, I feel, you know, with r- trying to run before, you know, even the simple gains are, yeah. are realized or are consolidated.
1: But I agree. Um, and I agree also to, to what you said, Meg, that um we should think about the people first, about the small traders, about what happens on the ground. And yeah. I have the impression that in many cases in, in African integration, not only in Africa, if you look at, at Latin America or Asia yeah. too, it's the same thing, that often the, the second step seems to be taken before the first one. So, um, and that's my question. I'm a big fan of, uh, of economic integration. I think it's always good to have it, no, no matter where, where you are. Free trade raises the wealth of um, countries and of, the, and of the people living in the countries. Often, especially the poor people. You may discuss about that later. Um, it's, it's a common misunderstanding that, um, free trade would only benefit the rich ones. I think it's the contrary. It, it mostly, if it's done. Right. It profits mainly the poor one once because, um, consumption becomes cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, still taken the second step before the first. I mean, that, um, you come up with big programs. We had NEPAD, for example, if anyone what is, yeah. if remembers, there was the regional economic community of Africa, even before that. And then we're talking about common currencies and all that. Nepal was disbanded
0: or rebranded. I think it was
1: rebranded. Was to another name,
0: yes. Somebody dropped
1: me it still would exist, actually, when I asked somebody <laughs> some time ago. And I don't want to mock um, about that because it were all great ideas, but they obviously didn't work on the reality. So maybe it would be uh, good to look at local initiatives first, cross-border trade between individual countries. So how can we make it easier to trade? For example, between Goma and yeah, some Congo and, um, yeah. one of other countries yeah. and, and then then once this happens and there's something to trade, yeah. then we can think about how to bring it to the continental level. I think lots of energy is wasted when you take these big step, big huge steps first, and then you find out bam, there the basics are missing. So mm. maybe go back to the local level, country between one, two, three, uh trade between one to three countries and then Make it
2: bigger. I mean, we're thinking big. We want to go bigger. <laughs> uh, honestly, it makes a lot of logical sense to go that way. And within the ESC, I'm bringing a lot of ESC because Kenya's biggest trade partner is Uganda. Vis a vis Uganda as well, like they trade a lot. And within the ESC, we've seen that free movement of, uh, you know, persons, goods, and oh. of course, it also has its own challenges. But is it a waste of time to go ahead with the AFCFTA? I absolutely don't think so.
0: Okay. um, There's always the example of what happened in the EU and trying to see if some of the lessons learned there could be emulated in the African integration story. And, of course, avoid their mistakes. We
2: have to avoid yes, their mistakes. Yes, that's the
0: most important one. Especially
2: their recent mistakes.
0: Then, then please avoid the common <laughs> currency, yeah? yeah? I mean, that is
1: something <laughs> that, that lays heavily on the European <laughs> Union because you my well, understanding, have a, have a uh, common state first, then you have a common currency. Otherwise, you have different policies. Oh,
0: right. Well, that, that, I work. guess we know why uh, the, the Brits refused to, uh, to, and they stayed with the pound. Um, but what, one thing that really, really sticks out for me is the issue around harmony. You know, um, one of the issues that came up, well, when the EU discussions were happening that I vividly remember is uh, if Portugal's inflation is this much and, you know, another country, B, has tried to keep inflation in check, uh, they would say, hey, but, you know, we've fought so hard. So harmonization has always been an issue. And, you know, if you were to look at the Zimbabwe issue, you know, inflation is very different from... Let's say uh, South Africa or even Rwanda. You know, some of these countries have tried so hard. The monetary policy has been in check or fiscal balance. You know, there's no harmony there. Is this something that should have been addressed before this huge uh, over 200-word pager is thrown to the table and people sign?
1: Yeah. I don't know. You will consider me as a classical economist, (laughs) which I'm not a political scientist and I I don't want to put myself into <laughs> some
0: um
1: register but um if you have a common currency like in europe mm. inflation is not that different because you have a common central bank that mm. as mon- oh, you yeah. want monetary oh. um, economists know that, that steers something like that but mm. the issue with that comes in, in europe is profitability mm. there's a big gap between the profitability of the german economy and for example the portuguese or the, the greece one mm. and that would mean that normally um if there would not be a common currency Greece or um, Portugal would have needed to devaluate the currency right. to become more profitable on the, on the exchange. Germany would need to um, get the currency stronger. Mm. So that's something that you can, and that is difficult to do without the uh, own um, central bank. And mm. um, if you look at Africa, I would also think that uh, there's a difference of profitability between South Africa and Malawi. Togo. Um, or Togo charter. Yeah. Huge differences. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean with, with taking the second step before the first. And um, it doesn't make lots of sense to try to integrate these very different, um, com- um, different economies. Yeah. Um, at this stage, of course, I completely agree. Have it eh? integrate and of things like free movement of people, for example, um, can be done without having integrated economies. But to try to, to find a common economic framework for all the continent. Um, I mean that's not what what the free trade area is about. Huh? It's it, about free trade. It's
2: notorious, like would said.
1: It is, yeah. So <laughs> people want too much, I think. So uh, let's get back to that. Try to have um, have a private economy Yes. that is competitive. Competition means that means competition, mm-hmm. huh? because um, many countries you have lots of monopolies that are protected by um, trade barriers that leads to low profitability and low income of the state. So that's something to attack. Locally, first of all, get away, get rid of the monopolies. Um, And that is something you can actually do with opening up your trade barriers, because then companies come in and would maybe um, be stronger than the former monopolists. But that would mean that countries with these monopolists accept that maybe the Uh. monopolist dies. And that means somebody in that country loses um, her or his um, company, and these people often are
0: rather influential because right. they're rich. Maggie, uh, just uh, wrap it up, uh, Doctor Schnitzke. You have to find say.
2: I think to draw from the EU is also too ambiguous. Like in a way, I think there are lessons to be learned, but also Africa can create its own framework. And I know we keep saying this: create solutions for our own problems. I think it's completely different dynamics mm-hmm. and African economies, and. I uh, still young honestly we should look at our own framework and see what really works for the continent and if it means staying with regional blocks for now it's a decision that needs to be made i still insist open up to persons and then trade comes after because it's very hard to integrate uh, the economies right now like you see some of them are really small nigeria's biggest problem was you know dumping and you can feel it even now in the afcfta some countries are not really comfortable like south africa yeah. nigeria especially the big economies on another hand for me also you know like to to see where really this heads there is so much hope for the afcfta
0: yeah, I mean, uh, there's Agenda 2063 where we're hoping. Uh, 63
2: years is far
1: away, Arnold.
0: Uh, we have to cross our fingers. Uh, Dr. Shinetsky, uh, the, your final uh, word. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Arnold. Um, so first of all, I completely agree with, with Maggie. Yeah, so, so, um, Africa is not Europe. And I think there's, it's not never a good idea to, to copy something. You oh. need, we need, of course, local solution to come to the same aim, which is uh, an integrated, um, common market which we may have in 2063 then i think that's a that's a realistic goal huh? um, but i think to reach it, it's not via things like five-year plans that you try to uh, come up on the, on the on the highest level possible with um, some kind of frameworks that never sees a lot of day because they don't fit to the local needs of the local people and so i would um like to ask to put more trust in the individual hand uh, like, like Adam Smith to, to let um, economy thrive on its own that means take away the barriers
0: invisible uh, hype. Yes.
1: Oh. the visible Yes. yes the visible Yeah, take away the barriers let, let people let, let private economy work and try not to regulate it too much yeah. I think there's always also in my continent Europe there is uh, in the uh, last years this tendency to regulate everything from the political side and I don't think that that, that can work because that that um, kind of suffocates private um, activities mm. on the local level, but also on the trade level. So if it's possible, I would, I would just uh, say, start slowly um, between the countries with which that could work, maybe not between Malawi and South Africa, but maybe between Togo and Benin, for example, like um, countries that are there that, that, uh, that are similar. And there are approaches, if you look at ECOWAS, where some things work rather well, mm. But still, they work better between Togo and Benin, like with, as with Benin and Nigeria, because there big, huge gaps. So small steps, realistic steps, and steps that serve the people, and not the interests of the elites. That would be my... Take.
0: It's interesting. You know, it takes us back to uh, more traditional approaches, comparative advantages mm-hmm. and absolute advantage, you know, things that uh, we, we take for granted or we forget the, mm-hmm. the more difficult terms that we learn. Um, but uh, I'm afraid we've actually run out of time. Uh, not enough as always. Many thanks, Dr. Jan Shinitzky for uh, joining us. Uh, he's with uh, the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung. And of course, Maggie Mutesi, my resident uh, partner in crime, for uh, making time yet again uh, that's where we live it for this episode of uh, Mansa's The Weekly Beat. If uh, you missed anything in the course of the day or the week, uh, be sure to visit the website. That's mansamedia.africa. On Twitter, we're at, at Mansa underscore media. For me and the entire gang, have a lovely day. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. With your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry. Giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.